watching some of these guys run cross country. We've got some fast runners here. Well done. And uh, something that struck me was before the meet started, so the base, basically the way cross country works, you've never been before, is a bunch of skinny kids line up in a field, um, and then they shoot a gun and they all sprint like mad across this field. And you're like, thank God that's them and not me. Um, and so basically they all line up, but before they've got their little traditions, like they stand in the, stand in the circle and like chant things, so they all start the race way too fast and then die. <laughs> um, and uh, they, a lot of these teams like pray together, and you just never knew there were so many Christians who ran cross-country. Um, except I know better. I coached college track, and what was really interesting to me is a lot of the guys on my team, they would pray before meets because uh, their faith was, I mean, their uh, running was really important to them, and they're like, man, I need God on my side. But I knew darn well they were in, like, Club Chrome four days a week, which was the place to be in Johnson City, Tennessee. They were passing through, you need something to do, do not go to Chrome. <laughs> Bad things happen to Chrome. Uh, but so, you know, I knew these guys, man, I don't know that your faith is really a part of your life, but when it came time to race, that everybody knew every single word to the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I think that's something that we see in athletics all the time, right? Tim Tebow is a legit Christian. Um, but we see a lot of people T-bowing who, who also are in the news for like beating their girlfriend and things like that. But it's, it's interesting to me that people of all different disciplines, they're looking for ways to kind of connect their faith with the things that are important to them. Uh, we don't really see people finish like a cello solo in the orchestra and like take their, uh, their bow and like point to God or do a T-bow on stage. <laughs> You don't see people who God has gifted with a brilliant mind for mathematics, like kneel with their keyboard afterwards and like raise it above their head. You don't see that. Um, all this to say, there are things that are really important to us, to each and every one of us. Things that God has given us abilities and gifts to do. He's given us opportunities to do things. And they're, they're super important to us, but oftentimes in the church we don't really talk about what it looks like to live out our faith well in those pursuits, and the pursuit of excellence, and seeking to serve God, to honor and glorify God, and the different things that he's given, up, given us abilities to do, passions to do, and opportunities. Here in college, man, this is a special time of life. You guys have some really neat opportunities to learn about the gifts God has given you, to develop those abilities that he's given you. Opportunities to build relationship, to serve him. You have a platform, people watching you as you serve God according to the way he's made you. And so today I want to talk a little bit about how our Christian faith impacts the way we live as followers of Jesus Christ when it comes to those areas of our lives. Things like school or sports, uh, work, leadership and organizations. I think the Bible has a lot to say about ambition. I think the Bible has a lot to say about what success really is and what role the pursuit of excellence should play in our walk of faith as followers of Jesus Christ. So that's what I want to talk about tonight. And just so we're all on the same page, when I say ambition, what I'm talking about is the desire to achieve something, the determination to achieve something. And usually in the church, when you hear us talk about ambition, it's kind of in a negative light. Like, oh man, you better make sure your ambitions are in the right place. 
because you could idolize things that are good, but when you turn them into an ultimate thing, that really takes us down a dangerous road because only God can satisfy us. Um, so we talk about misdirected ambition and the danger that that is, but we often neglect talking about what ambition really is from a biblical perspective in a way that we can uh, determine and desire to achieve things for the glory of God. But first of all, what is the downside? Philippians chapter 2 lays this out. The Apostle Paul is talking to the church and instructing the body of Christ to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So selfish ambition is the negative that we're to avoid. What is selfish ambition about? Selfish ambition is about seeking to achieve. It's setting our mind to determine ourselves, uh, to desire success in a way that pays no attention to the people around me. It sets the self at the center of our lives, looking to achieve regardless of the truth about who God is, how he's made us to be, or what we know to be true about the way this world works and where real meaning, where real life and real joy is ultimately found according to scripture. Selfish ambition is driven by a desire to make my name great, to have my reputation be bolstered by my achievements, to have a sense of significance through my accomplishments. And so we can take really good things. We can set ourselves, we can set our minds to accomplish great things, but when we make those about ourselves, when we have selfish ambition as the force that's driving the decisions that we make, we really harm ourselves. It's a trap to make ourselves the focus of our ambitions. But we all have to come to grips with the fact that in our sin, this is what we all do. We can't help it. Our sin, it gets to the core of us. We cannot help but have ambitions that focus on ourselves. Making a name where people will really respect me, where they'll recognize that I'm someone who's really worth something. That's our default. But what we need to understand is that when it comes to thinking about ambition, ambition is not the problem itself. Ambition is not the problem. Our problem is sin. And sin distorts our ambitions by turning them inward. But what the Apostle Paul also teaches us is that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are freed from sin and able to live in a different way. And so if God has transformed us by his grace, if he saved us by his grace, and his spirit that lives inside of us is transforming us, then we can set our mind to be like Christ as we live by faith. So the good news, it shifts the focus of our ambitions. It shifts our focus from ourselves to God as our hearts and minds are transformed by the Spirit at work inside of us. So this, this changes the way that we pursue those areas of life that God has given us passion, ability, and opportunities to pursue. It changes the way that we engage our pursuits when we set our ambition to focus on God rather than focus on ourselves. And something that we can see in the church sometimes is a sense of complacency when it comes to seeking excellence. I want to tell you a story. One of the guys on my team that I coached, was a, he was a really good runner. He was actually from Kenya. And I, I enjoyed coaching him, but man, we had this communication impasse. Uh, the way he would say things was really direct, and sometimes it kind of ticked me off. Like the first meet, he wanted someone to take his picture so he could send it back home to his family in Kenya. And he came up to me and he said, Coach, you will take my picture. And I was like, athlete, there's no way in heck I'm taking your picture. <laughs> 
Um, so we had a little bit of a communication impasse. But one time before I meet, I went up to him and I was like, all right, buddy, you ready to go? This is a big race. I know you're fit. Here we go, man. How are you feeling? You think you're going to have a good one? And his response was, only God knows. And I was like, that is hardly the confidence I was hoping <laughs> you would have to offer. And so all that to say, sometimes as Christians, we can make, we can allow our faith to be a license for complacency. We can say, you know what, God's given me this gift and I'm going to do the best I can, but at the end of the day, God loves me and my future's in his hands, so if it doesn't work out, I guess that God didn't want me to have a good one today anyways. You know, if, if I just kind of go through the motions, at least, at least God's still on my side. We can allow our faith to become a license for complacency. Now, everything I just said is true. Regardless of how we perform, God loves us all the same. Because God's love for us is about what He has done for us in Jesus Christ. Our, our fate with God, man, that is sealed. That is a done deal. God loves us. We could not gain His favor any more than we already have it because it's gained for us through the work of Jesus Christ. Is your future in, God hand, in God's hands? Of course it is. Your future is in God's hands. But God gives each and every one of us gifts. He gives us abilities. He gives us opportunities, not for our own glory, but for His glory. And so we're to maximize those opportunities for the glory of God as we honor Him by striving for excellence, seeking excellence to glorify God as stewards of the gifts He's given us. Scripture is really clear on this, that we should desire and determine, uh, determine ourselves with ambition towards what really matters. Listen to this. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 says to the people listening, what, Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So he's instructing his followers to focus their determination and their desire on what really matters. That's glorifying God, seeking God's glory through their efforts. They're to direct them towards what really matters. And so what he's telling each and every one of us is that you've been saved by God's grace. If you've trusted Christ, you've been saved by God's grace, and you ought to set your mind to serving him. There's a light that's within you, and you can point other people to Christ by making the most of the opportunities to show gospel character, the gospel character that's transforming you by the power of the Spirit inside of you. And so we're to let our light shine, not to be complacent, not to hold back and give a half effort with the gifts, abilities, and opportunities God's given us. And so we could talk all night about the different ways that God has gifted you, the ways he's equipped you, the opportunities that he's put before you, because each and every one of us are so different. We've all been created specifically and individually, intentionally by God with unique abilities and passions. And he does direct the course of our lives with opportunities to use those things for his honor. So we're to take them, to take those gifts, abilities, passions, opportunities, and put our faith into action by desiring and determining ourselves to glorify God with them. And so, maybe this sounds to you like Christianized motivational speaking. Um, I want to tell you, this is biblical instruction. Do you remember Jesus' parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25? It's this story where Jesus is telling his disciples, the kingdom of God is like a man going on a long journey. He says, before the man leaves, 
He gives three servants different amounts of money called talents. You may remember that. And a talent was a large sum of money in the New Testament times, maybe even worth up to a million dollars in today's currency. And so he has three servants. He gives five talents to the first servant. He gives two talents to the second servant and one talent to the third servant, each of them according to his own abilities. And so when he comes home, he asks these three servants, what did you do with the money that I gave you? And the first and second tell him, we doubled your investments, and the master praises them. And he comes to the third servant, who was given one talent. And he told him, the servant told the master, you know, I played it safe and I guarded the money, here's one talent. But he did nothing to increase it. And what happens? The master says, he doesn't say, oh wow, great job, thank you for playing it safe. He scolds this servant for his inactivity, for wasting the opportunity that he had been given to grow his master's estate. And so what this parable aims to teach us is that God gives each and every one of us resources, gifts, and opportunities for a purpose. And that purpose is to increase God's glory with what he's given us. And so we're to honor God by being good stewards like those first two servants with what God has given us. The question is, will we use what God has given us, our time, our resources, our gifts, our abilities, these opportunities, as opportunities to glorify God, or will we allow complacency or fear of failure to get the best of us? Will we hold ourselves back as stewards of what God has given us, of the gifts that he has put in our hands to glorify him? Are we going to use them to glorify him, or are we going to hold them back? We're to be good stewards. Stewardship is something we talk about a lot in the church. We talk about stewardship when it comes to finances. What we're, what we're talking about when we talk about stewardship is that God is the giver of all things. He's our creator. He's our sustainer. He's our provider. He's our savior. He gives us life in Christ. And so we take what God has given us, and we give it back to him. So that's something we do with our finances. We steward our finances, but we also steward our abilities and opportunities. We're giving them to further God's glory. We take what God gives us and we put it in places that really matter. We put it in places that really matter. We can do that with every bit of our lives as we direct those things that God has given us to his glory. And so faith in Christ should never cause us to be apathetic when it, thinks about, when it comes to thinking about pursuing excellence. We can be people who have big ambitions and pursue excellence with a full heart because we know that our pursuits are about more than ourselves. When we set ourselves at the center and make everything we do about ourselves, man, we all get tired. We all run out of energy. We all run out of passion. If passion, if my passion is what's driving me, there's gonna be a day when the well runs dry. But if my passion is the glory of God, that is enough to fire me up and get me going because it's about something so much larger than myself. The Apostle Paul writes about this again in Colossians 3, talking about what drives a pursuit of excellence for the follower of Jesus Christ. These are instructions that he writes to Christian slaves, actually. And so he tells them in their work, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, as it is the Lord you are serving. So he's telling them, your aim ought to be to make everything you do service to God in response to the gospel. Look at what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. How completely has he given himself 
for you. He's given everything for you. And so what you're to do is take your life and make it an offering of thanks back to God, recognizing how much he's given you. Make your life an offering of thanks. Seek to honor him with every opportunity you've been given. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, he says. Don't hold back or invest yourself halfway. Give your best. And that's not to somehow merit God's favor. It's not somehow to justify yourself by your performance. It's out of thankfulness for the gospel that we seek excellence for the glory of God. That's what drives us. And so Christians, we ought to be the most ambitious people out there. We ought to be people who are known for going for it, holding nothing back, seeking excellence for the glory of God. I shared this quote here before from John Stott. He writes, ambitions for God, if they are to be worthy, can never be modest. There is something inherently inappropriate about cherishing small ambitions for God. How can we ever be content that he should acquire just a little more honor in the world? Christians should be eager to develop their gifts, to widen their opportunities, to extend their influence and be given promotion in their work. Not now to boost their own ego or to build their own empire, but rather through everything they do to bring glory to God. Man, that quote fires me up because God has created each and every one of us to further his honor and glory in the world. That gives so much meaning to our pursuits, doesn't it? Everything we do is an opportunity to further God's honor and glory in the world. So I want you to think about it. How has God wired you to do that? How's he wired you to do that? What gifts, what abilities, what opportunities are in front of you? What passions has he put on your heart? How can you steward those things for God's glory? How can you pursue excellence in those things with godly ambition rather than selfish ambition? This is a question I have to tell, ask myself all the time. Because man, God has saved me from, from the penalty of my sin. I praise him for that. But God knows all too well that my sin still comes back to haunt me. And it's so quick that my ambitions can turn inward and can become about myself, putting myself at the center. How can you pursue excellence for the glory of God with godly ambition to honor Him, to glorify Him in what you do, rather than make it about yourself? And so I want you to think about what does success and your pursuits look like when it's about service to Christ for the glory of God as your ultimate goal. How does that change your understanding of what success looks like when it's all about God, when it's a response of thankfulness for the gospel? Maybe that looks like giving your absolute best with joy and being content with the result, even if you haven't achieved some objective standard that you aspire to, whether that's a number or a score or a rating or a certain chair in the group that you're in. Maybe it looks like maintaining healthy relationships and integrity with the people you're in competition with rather than letting a desire to place yourself in a higher rank or chair a position of leadership above them at all costs. Maybe it looks like maintaining healthy relationships with them and caring for them in the midst of that competition. I think both things are possible. So those are some questions for you to be challenged by. Those are questions I need to challenge myself with often. I hope that as you leave from here, you will apply your enthusiasm to serving God according to the way he's made you. 
with godly ambition. Because when God's glory is what drives us, when our determination is about seeking His honor, we find such joy and meaning in all of our pursuits. Because we're doing what God's created us to do. To know Him, to enjoy Him, and to glorify Him with every single area of our lives. Let's pray together. God, I know that each and every one of us is so different. But I know that you've created each and every one of us in a special way. God, it's such a privilege to be able to have everything in our lives uh, be so meaningful because they're for you. They're not about us. Uh, our service is for you. God, I thank you that you give us abilities and opportunities and gifts for your glory. I pray that you would help us to remember that those aren't ours. We're stewards of your blessing. We're stewards of what you have put in our hands, God. They're not about us. They're not for us. You've given us to them that we can shine a light on who you are. Through Jesus Christ, we're saved. And we're given the Holy, the Holy Spirit inside of us to transform us. That we might reflect the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That we might be people who are able to point others to you. As your light shines through us to the world. And so I pray for each and every person here, God, that they would have eyes that are open to see how we can honor and glorify you with godly ambition. God, would we be people who resist the temptation to be apathetic? Would you fire us up by your spirit that we wouldn't be complacent? That we would... That we would determine ourselves, God, that we would desire your glory, and that we would give our very best, not to make a name for ourselves, but to make your name great in all the earth. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.